guys, Jim Cox, and I'm here today with another interview with Cindy Beers. She is a yoga teacher, a therapist, uh, just amazing person doing amazing work, and invited her to really look at the issue of mental health and dealing with COVID, because we're a year into this, and yeah, I know that there's good things happening, but clearly it's taking a toll on a lot of people, and you know we need to learn how to uh, take care of ourselves. So Cindy, thanks for taking the time to uh, chat today. Thanks. I appreciate it, Jim. Thank you. Awesome. So first of all, tell us a little bit about your background, um, you know, as, as kind of a healer, as kind of a, a, a yoga teacher, uh, dealing with issues around PTSD and, and uh, kind of mental health. Just tell okay. us a little bit about yourself and your background. Well, uh, to start off with, I, I am a, a military veteran of 18 years. And uh, after I got out, I decided to, well, I worked for the federal government for a while, but I went back to college and I got my master's degree, but and I became a yoga teacher. But long story short is I have PTSD. I have anxiety. I've had depression and we've all had stress. So I have all those. Now, when you talk, you know, Yes, I'm a yoga teacher. I'm also a yoga therapist, but I am not a um, mental health. I, I'm not a mental health um, certified person. So what I've done is I've taken everything that has worked for me that is holistic, mm. and I've created a program based on that. Mm. Gotcha. And so. No, you have PTSD yourself. I mean, a lot of people are dealing with different issues around depression and so forth. How does how does COVID change those things, or how does it affect people in terms of their mental health? Kind of your oh, two it times. has it has really made a huge change in people's mental health. And you got to remember, you know, we've been sequestered for pretty much almost a year and people that are very social this has really gotten them very worked up and that has caused some anxiety it has caused depression uh suicide rates are up um and the existence of male anxiety is higher mm. why is that why is that why With male shock- anxiety more than others well, what's shocking is when you look at the research uh, based on uh, a 2017 research from the, Amer- uh, the Anxiety and De- uh, Depression Association of America, they did research. And when you look at the research, it all says it's more common in women than men. And a lot of the reasons for that is men don't often report having anxiety or depression or any trauma at all because- mm men and you're hard you know men are hardwired to you know take care of themselves okay so now that they came out and said hey male anxiety is on the uprise well it's not you know it's not surprising it's just that it's becoming more reported now than ever before interesting the um 
the other aspect of COVID that really has, I think, affect, well, I mean, another dimension of it is women have taken a disproportionately larger hit to it um, in terms of their careers, in terms of uh, job uh, participation rates, and obviously carrying multiple roles with having to stay home with the kids or, you know, uh, homeschooling. Um, really coming into uh, kind of a requirement um, instead of an option, uh, given what's happened. Um, mm -hmm. So how do you, the other aspect of it is kids. And obviously kids are kind of normally gregarious and social creatures anyway, um, even if, you know, like myself, I was a wallflower when I was in high school, but I mean, you know, in, in uh, the younger grades, I mean, everybody wants to be with their friends. Um, mm -hmm. So how does uh, COVID affect kids? I mean, have you seen studies in terms of that aspect? And I haven't seen any studies, but what um, I heard from Dr. Fauci in a uh, talk that he did was, you know, as far as kids from grades like daycare up to fifth grade, it really hasn't affected them too much except for they can't really play with their friends all that much. Mm -hmm. Now, when we get into middle school and high school, it's affected them pretty much like the adults have because there's no interaction with their friends. And you know, when, and when they're in high school and middle school, it's all about your friends. It's all about that social aspect. And because they haven't had that, it tends to make their anxieties a little bit higher. So what happens then if their anxieties are high, and kids, a lot of times they don't know how to um, project that anxiety and talk about it. And so what they do is they, you know, when we, as parents, we used to call it acting out, you know, yeah. they're acting out. Well, that's just a way of having anxiety. Yeah. Um, so, so if that's happening to the kids, then it's coming into the parents. And so the parents are probably getting anxious just as much as the kids are. And it's just going back and forth and back and forth. And it's just a feeding frenzy as far as anxiety. Wow. And, and the difficult thing is kids are learning how to become social when they're in middle school and high school. So then you're kind of losing a life skill, which obviously affects you down the road in terms of how you're able to integrate into society. Right. Mm. Right. So you developed a, a course to deal with, with mental health issues around depression and so forth. Like what are some, what are some tips that you can give to help people kind of deal with what we're going through in, in this current COVID environment? And that's really good. So I developed the mental health toolbox and the mental health toolbox is we look at anxiety, depression, trauma, and stress. And we, we look at how one can lead to the next anxiety can lead to depression and stress and trauma and stress can lead to trauma, anxiety, and depression. So they all just interlap over each other. So we look at that. Then we look at different holistic modalities. We look at tapping. We look at havening, we look at um, breathing because breathing is something that we tend to not do very well because most adults in, in modern world breathe from the top part of their lungs versus the you know, bottom part into their diaphragm. So we learn how to breathe. 
We learn how to do breathing techniques that calm the brain, that rise the parasympathetic nervous system and relax the sympathetic nervous system. We look at those things. We look at body image because body image can play a huge part in anxiety or depression. And, and what's amazing about that is uh, with, I've been teaching this since 2016. And what's the amazing thing is men don't, they're not hardwired to look at their self-image. They're not look, you know, look at their own bodies, which is really remarkable to me because women, we're all about knowing, you know, we know where every like black mm. hair on our chin is or yeah. how saggy our rear end is. Guys don't do that, which is absolutely fascinating to me. So we look at that. We look at meditation. Um, and, you know, so many people will tell me, well, I can't meditate. And I'll tell them, I'll guarantee you that I can teach you one way to meditate. So there's different, you know, and, and out there, I don't know if you realize this, there's 28 different types of meditations out there. 28. Mm -hmm. It's just finding one that fits your lifestyle, which mm -hmm. is really important. We also delve into um, the chakras. Um, and, and if you don't know what chakras are, these are seven wheels within our bodies that are, uh, they were, they were thousands and thousands of years old through of Ayurvedic medicine. And we look at these and what they, what each one of them means and how you can apply it to your own life. We also look at affirmations. Affirmations are huge. They're fantastic. Um, if, if you want to spend a buck, Go get Louise Hay's book, You Can Heal Your Life. It talks all about affirmations and using them. Whether you have cancer to a sore throat, affirmations can really be beneficial. Mm. Well, in terms of affirmations, like one of the, that really gets to kind of one of the, the cores of depression. It's like you get into this negative situation and you keep dwelling on the negative situation instead of affecting uh, thought patterns to actually change that situation. And so it pulls right. you in deeper and deeper before you know how to get out, you know? Right. And what uh, affirmations do is they plant the seed and you could, you could be using the affirmation for gosh, for weeks and not believe it. And then once, and then all of a sudden that shift happens Mm -hmm. that, that it, it, it works. Like one of the biggest affirmations, um, that, that I make people use is I love and accept myself. Mm. And what, what's amazing is, you know, a lot of people don't pay attention to that they just, you know, think that they're worthless and a piece of crap. But the first time you look in the mirror and look at yourself in the eyes and say, I love and accept myself all barriers come down and that true self comes out and the ego steps down. Hmm. Now, are these equally applicable regardless of age? Like are kids absolutely. able to? Oh, absolutely. Kids are actually great at this stuff. You know, if like, I think the youngest I've worked with is nine years old and I typically don't work with small children, but a nine, I had a nine year old one time and I, I, would, I would tell her, say to yourself, I am smart. I am important. I am beautiful. You know, things like that. Um, 
and and it really made that huge change in this nine-year-old that she was able to go from being like you, you talked about being a wallflower she was so anxious about going to school and and being in the classroom and but by giving her those affirmations she moved from being in the back of the classroom to the front of the classroom to be to um being a part of after school activities so it's just a shift change now you look at a nine-year-old well how does a nine-year-old get anxious well that's simple the parent has to be anxious because one of the parents whoever the caregiver is has that anxiety and it's going on to the kid and that's called epigenetics yeah i mean i think when you look at like uh, issues that that kids have i mean largely most of the the issues come from the parents they're handed down so it's it really becomes a matter of you you can't just heal one person it's like you have to actually deal with the whole family to try to stop it from reinforcing itself exactly and and this goes into phobias too um phobias start um uh, start generating about that time frame, 9, 10, 11, okay? And if, if a parent has a phobia, I'll give you a great example. My daughter, who's 32, has a phobia of clowns and butterflies. Now, she, as an eight-year-old, she spent the night at a friend's house, and what did they do? They watched the movie It. So mm. that's where the clown fear came from. The butterfly came from, uh, we went to a butterfly conservatory up in uh, Toronto, and she was petrified of these large butterflies. And I've explained to her, she has a two-year-old and, and she doesn't, you know, I, she, I've explained to her, you need to get past these phobias so you don't project them onto your child. Mm -hmm. So, because phobias are a type of anxiety. So we, you know, her and I have worked through getting past these phobias of clowns and butterflies. That's good. Yeah. Well, I'm no fan of clowns myself, but uh, I get you. <laughs> Um, you had mentioned early on in, in terms of some of the, uh, some of the strategies, havening, what is, what is havening? I've never heard of that. Uh, havening, uh, was created by, uh, I believe the guys, Paul and Richard Rudin, R-U-D-I-N, and they're up in Long Island and havening has really taken off and it's really, a really prevalent a lot in the UK versus here. And it's just like tapping instead of, you know, tapping on the body parts, you're, you're just rubbing. It's like you're hugging yourself. You start up at the shoulders and work your way down. You can moving your hands back and forth, rubbing them together, doing your face. Hmm. That's havening. And it's just take, you know, taking like a, like, like a traumatic event or an event that makes you anxious, like Christmas shopping, you know, taking that event and bringing it to the mind and say, okay, where are you at on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the worst, one being the best. And if they say nine, okay. So you start talking to them and you do things, you make them keep it in their mind, but you keep doing things like counting or singing a song. And you just keep that thought in your head of where you're at just to uh, take away that, that, that fight or flight feeling. So you distract the person in terms of creating another set of non-stressful thoughts and right. then apply the, the physical touch. The person applies the physical touch to themselves in terms of um, stroking their skin, whether it's mm -hmm. arms or face or what have you. 
Mm -hmm. And that creates a break in terms of the anxiety. Is mm -hmm. that right? Okay. Mm -hmm. How long does it usually take for that to be effective? Well, that's a good question. It depends on the severity of the issue that they're working on. So it could, it could be 10 minutes. It could be 30 minutes. So it depends on the severity of the issue, whether you're working with anxiety or trauma. Mm -hmm. Is it, um, I mean, if a person's already in kind of fight or flight mode, is it something that will pull them back out or is it a thing of a strategy for just preventing them from no, getting it, to it, that fight or flight? It's going to pull them out of that fight or flight. Um, I highly suggest- well, Sometimes everybody... it might be just tough to like get them to, to settle down enough to actually be right. able to focus enough because their brain's going- haywire because of the the fear that's running around in the head right and i i highly suggest people go on havening.org h-a-v-e-n-i-n-g.org and under the video pages there's so many different types of videos on doing self-havening and like for anxiety or whatever um they have one in there for covid right now you know the anxiety of covid so um i haven't i tell people check it out you know because it is really really cool Awesome. Now you had mentioned um, the way that people breathe and we were just talking before we started. I, I just recently started doing yoga myself. And one of the, uh, one of the interesting things is how difficult it is to breathe, breathe deeply in, breathe deeply out and all the while you're doing different things, but as you're doing the different things, you're forgetting to breathe. And mm -hmm. so, you know, you, you mentioned people breathe, I guess, from the top of their, top of top their of lungs. lungs. Mm -hmm. So how, why is that? Like, what, is it um, a matter of just getting into the practice of in downtime, just breathing more deeply? Or is it? And that's, that's, that's a lot of it right there is to teach, you know, to oxygenate the body. Okay. You know, look at how babies breathe. When babies breathe, they breathe from their belly. As we get older, we kind of switch and we just breathe out of the top of our lungs. So what I do is I teach people how to breathe and I, and, and a good thing you could do is lay on your bed. And this is something you could do at nighttime and put your hands on your tummy and breathe into your hands and just fill up that diaphragm filled with air. And then you can move the left hand up to the heart and then you breathe into your right hand and your left hand. And then just keep staying here and just really oxygenating the body. And when you're doing it at nighttime, especially at night, when you're trying to sleep and you know your brain's going a thousand miles a minute, doing this technique calms the brain down, brings that sympathetic nervous system up so you can fall asleep, that parasympathetic nervous system, excuse me. So it helps you fall asleep because you're oxygenating your body. It's like being on oxygen, you know, you're, it makes you sleepy. Mm -hmm. So that helps with resting, allowing that parasympathetic nervous system to come up and chilling yourself out. And um, when you talk about meditation, obviously meditation has a lot to do with breathing as well to try to mm -hmm. um, get to that calm. Um, 
Oh, absolutely. And with people with anxiety, depression, trauma, and stress, the important thing is to give the brain something to do. So when we go through the mental health toolbox, one of the things I teach them is a meditation that has three sentences. I am happy. I am healthy. I am at peace, which is um, a Buddhist loving kindness meditation. But it's such a simple one. You can just take a deep breath in. And as you exhale, I am happy. Take a deep breath in. Exhale. I am healthy. Take a deep breath in. Exhale. I am I am at peace. And you can add to this, like with anxiety, I always tell people, let's add, I am safe, you know? And I am at, you know, I am at peace, I am safe. And just adding these things and repeating them over and over again, it's just like an affirmation. You're planting the seed. You might not believe it, but it will finally sink in and grow. That's awesome. So you mentioned this mental health toolbox is this something that you're doing in terms of ongoing classes is it um something that's kind of people do on their own or how does it well, work well that's that's a good question um i am doing um classes i'm doing six week courses because it's six weeks and uh each uh, first week is two hours and then the subsequent weeks are for an hour and i'll be starting another one probably in april uh, I just, I, I'm finishing up one now. Uh, I also have a self-paced one that is, uh, that you could do at your own pace and take your time. And that one is, is out there also. That's awesome. So have you, have you put together results about how the, the toolbox has worked? Like have, have you had uh, the chance to do a uh, quote unquote empirical study of, uh, Yes, I have. Oh, it's and done. The, the majority of it has been successful. But what happens is, you know, I, I would say 98%, 99% right now are successful. But the thing is, after the class, to keep doing the work. Yeah. And what I find is, you know, three to six months out, people are stopping doing the stuff and they're falling apart. Mm. They'll come back to me. Oh, Cindy, I, I have anxiety again. I don't know what's going on. I said, well, when was the last time you did tapping? When was the last time you did breathing? Uh, yeah. 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 And that's, that's the thing. It's getting into a practice that's kind of, uh, it's getting into self-care, right? I mean, we normally as people were, it's not high on the agenda of taking care of ourselves we're always taking care of either other people or the job or what have you but right self-care always ends up at the bottom of the pile and in fact if you don't do the self-care you can't do any of the other crap so it's like right you got to get your stuff together right so awesome um if people want to follow up with you in terms of the work that you do how can they reach out to you uh there's two or three ways first way is always a phone call and the phone call is 717-571-4610 second is email and it's cindy at cindybeers.com and the last one is on uh, through my website www.cindybeers.com awesome and uh, i'll put the uh, link in the um description for the uh, podcast but um you know come april 
I'll uh, be seeing you in the class because, uh, you know, I definitely, I'm a big believer and, you know, I have my own stuff to work on. So I appreciate uh, what you do and, and uh, sharing some of the insights to help people get to a better mindset. Yeah. Everybody has their own crap. Everybody yeah. has their own crap, you know? Yeah. And if you tell, if you tell me you don't have any, you're lying. It's repressed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again. And I will talk to you soon. All right. Thank you so much, James.